Welcome to the Purpose Founder Podcast. We're so excited that you're here. This is a weekly recap of the Life Gathering that happens on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Join our Facebook Discipleship page and receive updates and content information and connect with people from all around the world. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Everyone, my name is Ada and I would like to um, welcome you to today's Life Gathering. I want to share a message that I believe will minister and encourage us all. Last week, we talked about the finished work of Christ and how we can have confidence in the cross and know that we're going to heaven. This week, I want to continue talking about that finished work and how it transforms our life. I want to talk about having a new life in Christ, which is today's message. Having a new life is Jesus died on the cross for us. He, we are set free and we get that free gift of eternal life. But now with our change, he changes our life through that. So now from a place of salvation, we also get a, a free gift of a new life in Christ. And so I want to read from Ephesians um, chapter 1, verses 1 through, I, through 13, but let's read. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the he heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It, is, it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who believe who, be, who, sorry, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, he has showered us his, sorry, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan, that at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done on the cross. Father, as I um, give this message, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord God, the words that um, my brothers and sisters need to hear. And Father, I pray that they would be changed by this message and that they would experience a newfound confidence in the new life that you have paid for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yes. So, um, like I said, last week we talked about having confidence in the finished work of Christ, knowing that God saved us and that we get that free gift of eternal life. Um, so let's recap last week. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Romans 6.23. So I went over a whole bunch of different verses, and I'm going to go over this verse um, again later. But um, the beginning of this verse is talking about how the penalty of our sins is death. We are deserving of death. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for us and took that penalty in place of us. Not only did he sacrifice himself for us because he loves us, um, but he also gave us a free gift of eternal life. And we can have confidence in that work. We enter into heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what God has done for us. So now I want to talk about that life-changing power that comes um, when we accept and receive God. It puts us in a new position, in a better position than we were previously. So I want to talk about your position in Christ. As believers, we no longer are in a position of being slaves to sin, being slaves to our old life. God makes us new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has um, begun. So another, another version says the old things have passed away. Um, and we are a new creature or a new creation in Christ. I feel like it, with this verse, God wants to give someone a new perspective. You are not who you once were before you gave your life to Christ. You are not a slave to sin, being crushed by the weight of sin anymore, um, or the situations that you're going through or you're facing. No, our position has changed, and so should our perspective. You see, we were once dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. And this next verse puts it in a beautiful way. Galatians 2.20 says, the old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, another version says, I have been crucified with Christ and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we have been crucified with Christ. And like I said, another word for trusting in the Son of God is um, having faith in the Son of God. So, um, yes, we died with Christ, and now we have been made alive because His Spirit lives inside of us, and it brings life to our mortal bodies. This next verse goes 
on it and tells us what that means. So Ephesians uh, chapter two, verses uh, four through six says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and, is, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not only have we been crucified with Christ, we have been raised up with him and are seated with him far above all names that could be named, all principalities, all dark, evil, uh, spiritual forces. We are above the darkness that once consumed our lives, which means we have authority in high places against all evil forces and darkness. And so I want to use this moment to point out that the devil is already defeated. The enemy wants you to think that you are not in a place of authority, you're not in a place of victory, but this is not true. He wants us to live, the enemy wants us to live in fear, but God's word says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we are not to be afraid of any witchcraft or sorcery or anything that people are doing in the dark. We don't need to be afraid. These things are exist. And we, I know there's a, could be a lot of people on here who have witnessed spiritual things, but the Lord is all powerful and we have authority over all evil spiritual forces, demons or devils or worker or any workers of darkness. We are seated in heavenly places far above these things. It is all under our feet. So we do not have to live in fear, especially now that you've given your life to Christ. If you have given your life to Christ, you don't have to live in fear or be afraid of the dark. And so I want to pray for anyone who's been struggling with fear or being afraid of the, the spiritual realities that you see when you uh, go outside or the, the people that do witchcraft or sorcery, you don't have to be afraid of them or anything that they're doing because that has already been defeated. So Father, in the name of Jesus or God, I just break off all fear in the name of Jesus or God. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that you would get, give each and every person here a new perspective of who they are in Christ and where they are in Christ, God. Father, we are seated far above all, um, all spiritual forces, all things of this earth. We are seated in heavenly realms. And so, Father, I thank you that you have given us authority over all darkness. And Father, I thank you that we are the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness flees. We do not flee, the darkness flees. And so Father, I just declare your peace and your joy over each and every person on this call in Jesus' name. So now that we know our position in Christ and that we don't need to be afraid and that we're a new person and we're seated in heavenly realms and authority, let's talk about how to walk um, in this life um, it, from this new uh, position. So I want to talk about walking in obedience. And as you see there, the, uh, under there, it says empowered by the spirit. Us walking in obedience is not something that we do on our own. We have the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to walk in obedience. Um, so we have a new life in Christ and 
we need to know how to walk that life out. Christ died for us freely and he shows off, God shows off that he loves us and proves that he loves us. How can we show our love and affections for God? Well, John 14, 21 says, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So as you see, it says the one who has my commandments and keeps them. Not only should you know what the command, what his commandments are, or his commands to us are, you should also not just hear it, but do it. So um, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And so um, love, the, the commandments that uh, God has given us is to first love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, right? And then to love others as ourselves. He says that to love God is the first and greatest commandment. And to love others as ourselves is, this, is just like it. it's the second one, but it's just like it. So when we do this, we are loving God and we are expression, expressing our affections to him. So another verse I want to talk about is uh, Romans 12, 1. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be... Uh, Sorry, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So as you see the example set by Christ, he sacrificed his life for us. He took the penalty for our sins and died. And so it's only right to give ourselves to him because he's worthy and and, and we, we see that he's faithful to keep those things that we give him. So this new life that we have is not our own. It is, it is his, it belongs to God. Our life, our body, everything belongs to God. Because when you give your life to him, that's what you're saying. You say, Lord, you can have all of me. You can come and be the Lord over my life. So this new life is not our own, it's his. Because we surely did not attain it on our own. We did not get this life on our own. We could not possibly, we could not possibly get this new life on our own. So we are to live completely for him. We are to copy his example and give ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. It says a living and holy sacrifice. And the second verse um, in Romans 12 2, I didn't put it up here, but it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, I want to say that again, let God, because you can not do that, <laughs> let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the part of this verse that I really like and I want to uh, really stress is let God transform you. Let him, because you don't have to let him, but it's saying, let him transform you. It's for our good. And we get, when you let God transform you by the way you think, um, you get to learn to know God's will for your life, right? So God 
gives us the Holy Spirit. If we work with the Holy Spirit, we will be transform transformed, but we have a choice to listen and obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will prompt us. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, don't do that. Hey, you should probably do this. So we have a choice to listen to that, to our, the Holy Spirit, which is the a gift that God has given us, that he lives in us. Listen to what he's asking you to do. God is a gentleman. He will not force you to do his will or walk in his ways. He wants us to walk in his ways um, for our own benefit because he loves us. But it's ultimately your choice. We can choose to walk by the spirit or walk by the flesh. And so Romans 8, 6 says, I didn't put it up here. I also didn't put this verse up here. But Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, so, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So you can choose to walk by your old self, which is dead. Sometimes it can resurrect. Um, or you can choose to walk by the spirit. You can choose to set your mind on the things of the flesh or set your mind on the things of the spirit. And either way you choose, one leads to death, one leads to life and peace. Um, choosing life is for your benefit and in obedience to God. It's telling God, I love you when you choose to listen to him and to walk in his ways. We are loving God. Um, and it's also, I keep saying it's for, it's for your benefit, it's for your benefit. Well, that's because when you give your life to Christ and you feel that change on the inside, you will learn very quickly um, that doing the old things that you used to do doesn't feel right anymore. It kind of makes you feel sick on the inside. So it's for your benefit because you don't even feel right about doing it, right? But if you go on still choosing to walk by the flesh, you won't feel that prompting as much as you used to. Um, so let's move on. Romans 8, 1, uh, verse, uh, yeah, Romans 8, verse 1 through 2 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So I just wanted to put that in there, um, that the power of sin is broken over your life. You don't have to live by that sinful nature. You don't have to fall into temptation and, and be so um, just consumed by sin. No, that power of sin is broken. And because, and it is broken and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that is holy. Galatians 5, 60, 16 through 17 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit, again, we see that word, let, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful, desi sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18, I want to continue with this. Verse 18 also says, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. So when you are directed by your spirit and you let the Holy Spirit guide your life, 
you won't do what your sinful nature craves to do. Your sinful nature is still there. And it still craves to do those things that are not right. It still craves to sin. But when we let the Holy Spirit guide our life, we can do what, what God wants us to do. We can be obedient to him. We can walk in his ways. And it's just a beautiful uh, thing that God has done for us because not only did he die for us, we were raised again and we're seated in heavenly places. And now we have authority over all the spiritual darkness. And not only that, he broke the power of sin over our lives so that we don't have to do those things that we don't want to do. When we sin, um, if you, when you sin, you, there's a part of you that just doesn't want it, right? Uh, especially now that you're, uh, if you're, if you are a believer, you don't want those things, but how beautiful and how amazing is it that God has not only done all of that work in saving us, but then he helps us walk in holiness. He helps us to live this life in obedience. We're not walk, walking and, and walking in obedience on our own. The Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. I just think that's really amazing. And so I just want to continue on and says, and, and I just want to say like, be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to love God by walking in obedience. We cannot say we love God and not love others. We we cannot say we love God and not do what he says, right? Because like we read in the other verse, he who loves me, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So yeah, one of the things is, so we know that the first and greatest um, commandment is to love God, right? And we know that the second is like it to love others as ourselves. And there's a verse in first John, um, yes, first John chapter four, verse 20, it says, we are liars if we say we love God and do not love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If someone, oh, sorry, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people whom we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? Um, and he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So that, that is a commandment, right? That is something that God says we should do. And so we are to follow that. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us on that journey. So I, yeah, I just wanted to point out this verse in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us, that same power. And how much more does that same power help us to walk in Christ and the ways of God and to live that holy life? How much more? Um, and so I just want to end it here. Um, thank you guys for uh, listening to this message i hope it really um inspired you or it really touched you if it did please write it in the chat we want to hear from you but for right now let's pray father in the name of jesus lord i thank you so much for all that you've done for us god we cannot thank you enough for 
the sacrifice that you made on our behalf, God. Not only did you save us, Lord God, but you help us each and every day to live in a way that is holy and pleasing to you. God, you even help us to love you. <laughs> so God, I just pray right now that each and every person on this call would be transformed by your Holy Spirit, that you would empower them to live this new life in Christ, God. I thank you that the power of sin is broken. So Father, I just command every heavy burden, all weights of sin or shame to be broken off of anyone who's carrying that burden. Father, because your word says that we should come to you when we are weary and carrying heavy burdens and you will give us rest. So Father, we ask for rest for weary souls, God. And we just give it all to you. And we thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Awesome. So I just want to um, open it up and give an opportunity to anyone who does not know Jesus um, as a personal Lord and Savior. Um, so yes, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Ask yourself, do you know him? Um, is, is If there's a possibility that you have uh, strayed away or you want to uh, rededicate your life to Christ, I want to tell you that there is grace and God loves you. But first, I want to go over the gospel. I know I went over um, Romans 6.23, but we're going to go over again. But first, we're going to start in Isaiah, um, which shows that all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Who is him? That him is Jesus. Um, and so we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's what it says in Romans 323 um and because of our sin that all of that sin has fallen on jesus right and he paid the price for that sin on the cross the word says in romans 623 going over it again for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord um and so the wages what are wages wages what is what we earn from living our life without god we are sinful creatures and sin is any attitude or action against god death is a spiritual death that we can expect for um for the penalties of our sin um and that's a eternal eternal separation from god and hell but praise god there's a but um we have bad we had bad news coming but comes the next thing comes good news the free gift of god is eternal life the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord a gift is something that you cannot earn it's just freely given to you eternal life is um eternal communion with god for the rest of our lives after we die um and Jesus Christ, yes, he came, he died on the cross for our sins so that we can have that gift of eternal life. And when we profess Jesus as Lord, we receive that gift. So if there's anyone here who would like to give their life to Christ for the first time, or who would like to rededicate their life to Christ, uh, please, I invite you to write that in the chat. Let us know um, if you are wanting to give your life to Christ. Um, and also say this prayer with me. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need you to forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died a painful death and rose again so that my sins could be washed clean. Thank you. 
I want to make you the Lord of my life and I will trust you and follow you. Everything I have now is yours in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. If there's anyone who said that prayer or anyone who would like to rededicate their life to Christ or who just did that, please let us know in the chat. We would love to get connected with you. We're also going to put in the chat um, uh, a life gathering form fill where you can let us know if there are any testimonies that occurred or you learned something new and you wanted to share, or if you gave your life to Christ or rededicated your life to him, we would love to get connected with you. We have a, a free 30-day devotional. Um, so yeah, let us know if there, is there anyone? Anyone? Cool. Well, if there is, just put it in the chat. If not, I would like to bring this um, life gathering to an end. So I'm going to end the, the, the Facebook Live. And so if you are wanting to get prayer or have any questions answered about this message or about God in general, um, please, if you're on Facebook Live, join us. Um, we're going to put the Zoom link Awesome. I see Noah says he has a testimony. We're going to put the Zoom link in the Facebook Live comments so you can join on there. And we're going to go, go into a time of prayer and answering questions. Um, so yeah, also, I just want to um, put my uh, email and our community email um, up for you guys. So if you want to reach me or um, the Purpose Founder team directly, please email us, ada at purposefounder.com, community at purposefounder.com. Please, we're gonna have this uh, live gathering every week. It's every week, Wednesday at 2.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, please invite your friends, invite your family, invite people you know who love Jesus or want to know more about Jesus. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining our Purpose Founder podcast. If you made a decision for Christ today, fill out the link below and let us know so we can send you a free devotional and get connected with you. We also want to remind you to join our Facebook discipleship page and get connected with us and people all around the world. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Hello and welcome to the Life Gathering. My name is Ada and I want to give you a warm welcome because today we have a special guest speaker. His name is Tim, and he has a message that I believe will minister and bless you guys all. And so I just want to welcome T um, Tim to uh, the floor is yours. So you can go ahead and um, take over the screen and start speaking. Thank you so much, Ada. It's so good to be with all of you uh, today. And just tuning in from different parts all over the world. It's such a beautiful thing that uh, because of this gift of technology, we get to connect from different parts all over the world to, to come together and just glorify the name of Jesus, to lift his name up high. And so it's a privilege to be with you uh, today. And, and I just have a, um, a message I want to share with you that hopefully will bring encouragement to your hearts and strength to your spirits. And, and so it's, it's a truly an honor to be with you here today. And before we uh, open up into the message, I want to just uh, take a moment and acknowledge God's presence and just invite his Holy Spirit to come and teach us his word today. 
So why don't you join me uh, as we enter into just a time of brief prayer before we go to God's word. Father God, we are so grateful to be able to fellowship virtually like this with other people from all over the world. God, we thank you for this day. Your word says that this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so, God, we thank you for this gift called today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may not even come, but today we have this gift to enjoy, to be with you and to be with one another. Holy Spirit, will you be with us today to teach us your word? We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, today uh, we're going to be talking about this topic of fellowship. And uh, I know last week, those of you who may have tuned in, that uh, Ada shared a message on the importance of God's word and how God's word must be a foundation of our Christian life for us to be able to have a victorious Christian life, to have a, an abundant Christian life. And, and so we're going through different topics about what are the essential ingredients to a healthy Christian life. And so just as some of you may know, if some of you cook different foods, or maybe you bake different types of things, if you leave out certain ingredients, the food is not going to taste good, and it's not going to look the way you had hoped. And in the same way, the Christian life has certain ingredients that God has given us so that we can have a successful and a victorious Christian life. And one of those ingredients is, is fellowship. And so today we're going to talk about what fellowship looks like, what it means, and what are some of the benefits of fellowship when we're talking about the Christian life specifically. So I've entitled this talk today, Fellowship Together is Better. And so as we go into this topic, I want to just lay a quick foundation with you um, about fellowship. First of all, being a Christian means being a part of something much bigger than ourselves. It means being part of God's family. See, when God, when we look at God's word, we see that God was already existing eternally, all the way into eternity past, as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. And so God himself is family and is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God also, he had created angelic beings. And so he had a heavenly family. But God, because the Bible says that God is love, and love is an action word. Love is not just a thought or a feeling. It is an action. And so God, out of his love, desired to create humankind, that's you, that's me, the human race, so that he could have an earthly family to show his love with and to have fellowship with, to have friendship with. And so we were created from the beginning of time. We were created for fellowship with God. That's part of our purpose in life. And so 
if we have not yet encountered God, if we've not yet had fellowship with God himself and friendship with him, then our hearts are going to be restless. We're going to be looking and seeking and searching, and we're going to be thinking, man, maybe if I just get that next uh, dream fulfilled, or if I, I buy a, a car that looks like this, or if I have a house that looks like this, or if I have a social media following that's really big, then maybe I'll feel complete. But the reality is that all of us have this, what we would call a God-shaped hole inside of us that can only be filled by God and his love. And that's the way God created us. He created us to be in fellowship with him. But we were also, because he created the human race, we were also created to be in fellowship with one another. And especially with others that share the same friendship with God. And so we were created for fellowship with God and for fellowship with one another, with our brothers and sisters. And so I love this verse in the book of Acts. This is in the New Testament of the Bible. The Bible has an Old and a New Testament. Some of you may know this. But uh, And in the New Testament, after Jesus came and he taught and he went away to be with the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And then the church, the church of God was born. And this, this is a picture of what life was like when the early followers, the, earlier, the early believers came together. And this verse gives us a picture of what fellowship looks like. It says all the believers, that means those who have placed their faith in Jesus and were following him. It says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals that included the Lord's Supper or also known as communion and to prayer. They worshiped together at the temple each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. See, this is like a, a, a picture snapshot of what the early life looked like as Christians. And it's a picture of what fellowship looks like in the Christian life. So what is fellowship? It's a good question. It, it, it can mean a lot of things as we look inside the Bible, what, but what are some of the key components of fellowship in the Christian life? Well, even from this passage, we know the very first thing is it means studying God's word together. See, you're going to see this word together because that's the key word for what it means to, to fellowship with other believers. Studying God's word together. When we come together with other believers, just like we're even doing today, or maybe when you go to your church assembly, maybe some of you have a church that you're a part of, a local gathering of other believers where you go together and you study God's word together, maybe in, in a home, a person's home, or in a church building, or maybe some of you meet with other Christians like this in this community, like what we're doing today, but we're studying God's word together is what fellowship is. 
And why is that important? Because there's, there's something that happens when believers come together, when people that love Jesus, they come together and they share, they read the Bible together, and they ask God to teach them his word. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, who is God and who is part of the Trinity, will lead us into all truth. And so God himself will help us to understand his own word if we'll ask him. And when we do that together with other believers, there's even the greater possibility that we're going to have a better understanding of God's word as we come together. So fellowship looks like studying God's word together with other Christians. What else does it look like? It looks like praying together. I don't know about you, but maybe maybe you can think of a time where you have prayed together with other believers and you could feel the presence of God. You could feel the sense of strength that came as you united your hearts and your minds into one purpose. I really enjoy praying together with my wife. I really enjoy praying together with other Christians. No matter where, they're, where they are, whether they're at my local church or whether they're across the world over a phone call or over, over a meeting like this. But there's something powerful when Christians join together in prayer, that there's a unity that happens. As we draw close to God, it will inevitably cause our hearts to draw closer to one another. And that's the power of fellowship. There's power when we come together in prayer. I've seen so many prayers answered in an accelerated way. I've seen prayers get answered in a more powerful, in a quicker way when we come together, when I've joined together, praying together for things like people's lives to be healed, marriages to be restored, supernatural provision coming in into my life, in the lives of other people, just by praying together. There's power in that. And God has designed us to pray not only by ourselves, but to pray together. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, we don't have time to go there today, but in Acts chapter 2, you see the early believers praying together in this private room, and they're spending time together taking multiple days to pray together that the power of God's Holy Spirit would come upon them so that they could then go out into the world to show everybody else this message of hope of Jesus. And so the Bible says that as they were in that place, that the Holy Spirit caused their thoughts and their purposes to join together. And the combination of all of that, all of those prayers there was a release of power, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came, and he poured out his power on, on those believers in that place, and they went out, and multitudes of people came into the family of God because they had made a decision that they were going to pray together. And so I want to encourage you, maybe, maybe you feel discouraged right now in your life and you feel like I just I need somebody to pray with there's going to be a time and an opportunity today towards the end of this uh, talk to to receive prayer 
and for us all to pray together about circumstances and situations that you want to see change and transformation and breakthrough in. There's power when we come together in prayer. And prayer and studying God's word are essential parts of fellowshipping as believers. What's another thing? Worshiping. We started off our session today with worship. And why did we do that? Because we did it intentionally. Because we need God's presence and we need his heart and his thoughts and his mind about things more than we need anything else in this world. And so as we worship him, what we do is we take our attention off of our problems, off of our struggles, and we, we take that moment and we focus all of our attention on God and on his power and on his ability. Because with God, all things are possible. Maybe you have a situation in your life right now where you feel like it's just impossible. Maybe you're out of work and you need a job. Maybe you or a loved one is sick and they need a miracle because they have a sickness or a disease and, and, and you just need to see God intervene. Maybe you're in a situation where you need financial provision to pay your bills, to provide for you or your family. God, when we take our problems off of the problem, take our, our focus, rather, off of the problem, and we put it on God, God will remind us how big he is and how much bigger he is than the problem. It's kind of like this. We know that the sun, when we look up into the sky, the sun, we know this from science, that the sun is enormous. And when we look up at the sun, we know that, that the sun is much bigger than the earth. But when we see it with our eyes, it doesn't look as, as big as it actually is because of the distance between us. And sometimes we feel far away from God. And so we feel like God is so small and he's so distant. And sometimes our problems are like, like our thumb. We can look up in the sky and we can, we can block out the sun with just our thumb. But we know that the sun is so much bigger than our thumb. But in our eyes, it looks like it's easy to block. And sometimes in our minds, we think God is not bigger than our problems. He's not bigger than our situation, but he really is. And so worship is all about perspective. It's all about knowing that God is big enough and strong enough and wise enough to take care of our situations. And so worship, as we come together as believers, when we worship God together, all of us are reminded of his power. We sang about it, that the name of Jesus is powerful. There's no other name that's more powerful than the name of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today that as you study God's word with other believers, as you pray together with other believers, as you worship together with other believers, even if it's 
with just two people or three people in your living room with a piano or a, or a guitar, or maybe it's just your voices, that when you worship together, the power of God is released in that place to bring about change where there is an impossible situation. And then what else is fellowship about? Fellowship is about serving together. You know, when we, when we do a, a job, when we do a task, we realize how important other people are when we're building a house. It's very difficult to build a house without the help of others. It's very difficult to raise a family without the help of others. And, and God knows this. And so what he has designed in this idea of fellowship is that we cannot do this, this Christian life in isolation. We cannot do this thing called the Christian life alone. We need each other. We absolutely need each other to be able to do it. God designed it this way. He designed it so that we can only thrive when we do this life together. So why is fellowship important? Why is it important? There's a lot of reasons we could, we could put here, but I want to just focus on three primary reasons today as to why fellowship with other Christians, why getting together and doing life with other believers is so important. First one is identity. We are one body and one family, and we only function best when we are together. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, just as our bodies, and this is the Apostle Paul teaching here, he says, just as our bodies, and he's referring to our physical bodies. Just as our physical bodies have many parts, like hands and eyes and ears and a mouth, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so one of the most important things that we're reminded of in Christian fellowship is of our identity. We have to be reminded that not only are we a child of God, if we have been born again. And so what does that mean? Just a side note. All of us that are tuning in right now, we're born into this world. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> Our mother gave birth to us, and we came into the world. So we didn't have a choice with that one. But Jesus said something very powerful. He said, to enter into God's family, you have to be born again. So you have to be born spiritually or reborn spiritually to enter into God's family. And so... Just because you were born into a family 
that knows about Jesus or God, or just because you were born into a family that was of a different faith, that's not going to help you necessarily get into God's faith. You and I have to make that decision ourselves to be born into God's faith. And that's a decision that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the talk today. But our identity is so important. So much of what we do in life is based on what we think about in regards to who we are. Think about it. How you live your life from day to day is usually based on who you think you are. And what God wants us to remind us is, is if we have been born again, if we have made the decision to enter into God's family by trusting in Jesus's forgiveness, we are now not just isolated. We're not just a person. We now are part of a, the biggest family on earth. There are billions of people on earth that claim to to be part of God's family. And so identity is a huge piece of this. And we have to be reminded that so much of what we do in our lives, we often do from a place of who we think we are. And God wants to remind us that we are part of a family. If we have come into the family of God, Jesus is the head and we're the body. And so why is fellowship important? It's important if we want to grow spiritually. If we want to be encouraged, fellowshipping, spending time with one another is so important. And so we can't reach our full potential. And I want you, if you get anything today, I want you to remember this. You will not be able to reach your full potential as a son or daughter of God, as a Christian, if you are in isolation, if you have the opportunity to get together with other believers, either online or in person, but you choose to isolate yourself, you will not reach the full potential that God has for you apart from the body of Christ. God has designed it in such a way that we will not reach our full potential and experience the abundant Christian life unless we are fellowshipping with other Christians, with other believers. I didn't put the verse up here. You can look this up later on, but Proverbs 27, 17 talks about that iron against iron sharpens one another. And so a friend helps to sharpen another friend. And so we need each other. To grow as Christians, we need to come together in fellowship, talking with one another, praying together, worshiping together, studying God's word together. So I want you to be encouraged. Take a look at this verse in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return, this is speaking of Jesus, 
The day of Jesus's return is drawing near. And so the verse says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I don't know if you've had a bad day, but there's nothing more powerful than getting together with somebody else to help encourage you and to motivate you towards loving God. I can think of so many times in my life where I was discouraged. I was overwhelmed with discouragement. And a Christian brother or sister or my wife would come and say, be encouraged. Stay strong. Keep your mind focused on Jesus and his word. And so many times when I felt like just giving up or quitting, God in his mercy would send somebody. Maybe they would call me on the phone. Maybe they would send me a text message. And they would encourage me to say, Tim, keep going. Don't give up. Be encouraged. See, you can't, you can't get that in isolation. We can't do that alone. We need each other. That's why fellowship is so important in the Christian life. We must come together because God's family is a family that meets together, that shares life together, that encourages one another. And notice, see, this verse was back during the beginning of the church era, when the church first came into existence. Even back then, they were struggling. Some of them were struggling to go and meet with other believers. They were not doing it. They were in, in discouragement. We all know what happens. Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe you did something that you should not have done. Maybe you went somewhere that was not good for you spiritually, and you feel a sense of embarrassment and shame. And what happens when shame comes on us? It's the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve, the very first man and first woman that God created. When they sinned, instantly they were embarrassed, and they went and hid. And they, they went into hiding, and they hid from God. And so what happened as a result of sin? The fellowship with God was broken. The fellowship between husband and wife was broken. That's what sin does. It causes separation. It breaks down the connection that God wants to have with us and that we need to have with each other. So I'll encourage you today. Maybe recently you've done something you know was wrong. Maybe you've sinned against God and you feel like you don't feel worthy to come into church with other people or to meet with other Christians. I want to encourage you today. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is without sin except for Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today to come back into fellowship with other believers. Come back into fellowship and friendship with other believers. We need each other. And in isolation, maybe you've seen, I'll share this in the next point. So why, why is fellowship important? For spiritual protection. We can turn to other godly Christians when we're facing temptations and tests and receive help. 
You know, God wants us to come to him when we're faced with temptations to do wrong. He wants us to come to him because the Bible says that we will receive mercy and we will receive grace if we come to him. And he also wants us to go to other godly Christians, people that are living lives of truth and godliness. He wants us to be able to go to other believers and say, hey, brother, or hey, sister, I'm struggling with temptation and I need help. God designed us as a family to support each other, to help each other, to grow, and to be protected. Look at this verse in Galatians 6. Maybe you've never seen this. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. See, God has designed this support system in fellowship as part of fellowship in the Christian church. It's for our protection. Maybe you've seen those videos on YouTube or online or on television, those nature shows where you see you see a pro, you see lions and you see the the wildebeest or the buffalo or whatever the animal is. What which animal is the one that the lion goes after, that they try to go after? They try to go after the animal that is separated from the rest. Why? Because when that animal over here is by itself, it's not as strong. It's not as protected. There is protection when the animals stay together and the lions come. And so the Bible does say that the devil is like a lion who is seeking who to devour. And so we need to be in fellowship with one another to look after each other and support one another. And in that support, there is protection against temptation. Why is fellowship important? This is the last point. And thank you so much for sticking with us here. It's to carry out God's mission. Did you know that as a believer, as a Christian, that you have a mission to fulfill? I have a mission to fulfill. It's called the Great Commission. God desires that everyone all over the earth, this is God's plan. His desire is that everyone comes to repentance, that they turn away from evil and doing, and doing wrong, and that they come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you have a mission to fulfill. I have a mission. We have a mission together to fulfill. And the mission is too big to complete unless we work together. Look at, look at the mission that Jesus gave the early disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Fellowship 
Why is fellowship important? Because we can only fulfill our God-given purpose and God's will when we come together to do it. Amen. Well, I want to just have us take a moment to pray and ask that the Lord gives us just a, an encouraging uh, revelation of this. God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we have one another. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and meet as brothers and sisters from all over the world. Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in fellowship. We ask that you would protect us in fellowship. We ask that you would help us to come together with other believers, to take your message of love and hope to the world around us. I pray, God, for your encouragement over every person today. May you bless everyone with hope and encouragement today. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this last part I want to share with you just briefly is something that we really think is so important that we want to include this in, in our messages. And I want to ask you a question today. And it's a very serious question because we are only given one opportunity at life. The Bible says that it's appointed for every person to die once and after this, the judgment. And so this life is the only life that we're going to be given. And so my question to you today, dear brother, dear sister, is do you know Jesus? personally? Do you have a friendship, a growing friendship with Jesus? Do you know him personally as your Lord and as your Savior? This is an important question that we must know the answer to before we leave this life and go on to eternity. And so I want to show you something briefly here from the Bible the book of Isaiah 53, verse 6, says this. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. You know, sheep, some of you may, may know about sheep. Maybe some of you were raised around sheep. Sheep are not the smartest animal. <laughs> and so God has a sense of humor when he calls us sheep. Because <laughs> sheep, uh, they have a way of just going away from their shepherd and following each other, sometimes in the wrong direction. But here's what the Bible verse says. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord, but here's the hope in this verse, but the Lord has caused the iniquity. Iniquity is just a fancy word for sin. But the Lord has caused the sin of us all to fall on Jesus when he came and lived and died on the cross. So this verse has bad news and it has good news that I want to share with you today. The wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. When you go to a job, your wages are what you earn. So when, when God tells us in the Bible that the wages of sin 
is death. That means if we, if we sin, it's going to lead to spiritual death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Some translations say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I want to show an illustration with you before we close. Here's what the Bible shows us. So maybe you've seen this picture before. You and me are like this person that's on the left side of that cliff. And this cliff, this separation, is what the Bible talks about as sin. When we sin, because God is perfect, because God is holy, a separation resulted. When we sin, a separation happened because God is perfect, but God wants us to be together. But here's the problem. Sin creates a separation between us and God and also between us and other people. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we, we can't jump from that side to the other side, we'd never be able to make it on our own. So God had to do something about it. But here's what we read in this verse. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Salvation is a gift. It's something that we cannot buy, something we cannot earn. It's only something that we can receive. If I gave you a gift on your birthday, and then I said, I want you to, here's your new gift. But then I said, hey, I want you to, uh, I need you to come over to my house and cut some trees down. And uh, I also need you to paint the outside of my house. And I need you to also uh, take care of my children on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You'd be like, wait a second, I thought this was a gift. See, a gift is something that cannot be earned. It's something freely given. And Jesus Christ is offering us the free gift of his life and his forgiveness. If we will just receive it today. That's all he asks. He said, will you just take and receive this gift of forgiveness today. So what did Jesus do to cross this bridge? Jesus died on the cross. Jesus had to die on the cross so that we could have access to God. Jesus paid the penalty that you and I deserve. When somebody commits a crime, there's always a punishment typically that follows. The punishment for sin is death. Jesus, because he lived a perfect life and he never sinned, was able to pay the penalty of sin with his own life so that you and I would not have to pay it with our own lives in eternity in hell and separation from him. And so if you will receive today God's gift, his offer of forgiveness and salvation, he will give it to you. God desires for all of us to be in friendship with him. So if, if you feel like God is 
touching your heart today and you feel like I need, I need to enter into a relationship with Jesus today. I, I've been trusting in my own self, but I've not been trusting in God. I've not been trusting in him to save me and to forgive me. Then I want to encourage you to take a look at this prayer. And you know, these words aren't magical in and of themselves. They're just a guide for us to look at and to follow. What's more important is the sincerity of your heart when you pray. God looks at the sincerity of our hearts. But if you want to join me in, in praying this prayer today to enter into friendship with God, I want to encourage you to follow along where you are in your house today and pray this with me. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need you to forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died a painful death and that he rose again so that my sins could be washed clean. Thank you. I want to make you the Lord of my life and I will trust you and follow you. Everything I have is yours now and in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and and you sincerely placed your trust in Jesus today to save you and to forgive you, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to let us know in the chat, or you can contact us at the following uh, email addresses, ada at purposefounder.com or community at purposefounder.com. It, it was a joy to be with you guys today. It was really an honor. And uh, I just, I want to thank you for, for tuning in. And I just pray God's blessing on you today and on your family. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. We're just so grateful for you. And we know that you could do a lot of other things today, but it means a lot that you tuned in today just to fellowship with us today. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining our Purpose Founder podcast. If you made a decision for Christ today, Fill out the link below and let us know so we can send you a free devotional and get connected with you. We also want to remind you to join our Facebook discipleship page and get connected with us and people all around the world. Until next time, we'll see you soon.